Welcome to episode 31 of the Ice Cream Sunday podcast, featuring David Richardson, Trevor Holder, Austin Buckner. This is Aaron Schoen, one of the original OGs. We're just here to sit back, listen, enjoy. Hope everybody here likes what they hear. Peace. What does that process look like? Because you talked about how the the process of of things happen very fast with the divorce process and and moving out and getting your own place. What does this this process look like? This process is after finding out that she definitely cheated on me. That she's grabbing all her shit, throwing it in her car, and she's leaving. She so left. she left. You yep. didn't. Okay. Yep, she left, and the, still had the apartment together. Technically, she left, and. The person I was talking to at that time is the person I'm with now. And we were just talking as friends. And she actually came out to kind of save me when the night that Nelly was going off and loading up her car and everything. She came out just to shoot the shit with me. Actually, we sat there and smoked a blunt in the parking lot and just talked for like two, three hours. Just get to know each other. And that was pretty much it. I mean, Nelly still had some of her stuff there. She came whenever, like I odd hours. Sometimes it'd be like four in the morning. Sometimes it'd be in the afternoon whenever she'd get the rest of her shit out. And in the meantime, myself and uh, the guy that was living with us, Christopher Johnson, we got a different apartment in the same complex that she didn't know about. So as she was still slowly getting the rest of her little bit of shit out, all my shit's going bye-bye. And then she was wondering where I was going. She followed us, found out we had our own apartment there, and then called the office and tried to make life hell for us. Gotcha. Saying... You know, that I, I shouldn't be on there because I was in a previous apartment. And I was on that lease. And how can I be on another lease over here in this apartment? And yada, yada. Because they didn't know I was staying with Chris. So she fucked that up. So then I left from there to stay with a friend, Kelsey, who lived at the same complex yeah. in the same building. Yeah. I stayed with them for a while and then ended up with the girl I'm with today. So Yeah. The girl you're with today is? Her name's Jen. Jen. Okay. You guys have been together like going years. on five years. Oh shit! Five years on the twenty fourth. Yeah, nice, nice. Congratulations. Any uh, questions being asked in the well? Not she's in the future. She's wanting everything as far as baby's marriage and everything, which is understandable. And I told her from the get go, I was okay with that. But uh, it's just been over the course of five years. There's been some hiccups here and there, like. There was the time that she was she was pregnant for sure, and then it didn't happen. So that kind of yeah, th- threw things in limbo for a while. And she, everybody kind of has their own mental health issues. And so she's got her own issues that maybe are deeper than mine where she needs a little bit more attention sometimes, a little sure. bit more care. Just, you know, it's – so it's – the process has been slow, but it's it's okay. It's like – I'm grateful for what I got now because from where I've came from, like, the, the, I mean, there were even going back to those times where we were spending three, four thousand dollars a week partying with Nelly, and now being just blessed for what I got is just it, it's just so such opposite ends of the spectrum, opposite just 
opposite people big time. Above and beyond just moving out in, in, in a different living situation, what does the process look like for you um, to just, uh, it seems like that was kind of, I don't know if you would call that rock bottom or not that situation, but you, you start to pull yourself out of that. What does that process look like for you um, physically, emotionally, mentally? I was emotionally, I just, I felt like Michael Myers. There was nothing there anymore. I'm just blank. I was, you're so numb to everything. You got the ex-wife over here still making your life live in hell. Won't let you see her kid. And you're just, you know, it, at this point you're like, you don't even want to be in another relationship. It's not what you're looking for. But I also, it was just like, I need to do something with my time. And that's when I got into, got into bouncing and then started doing that. And I worked so much doing security at Woolies and shit like that. I just put my head down and worked. I didn't even give myself time to, I guess, necessarily be sad about it. Um, except for shortly after. Okay. So there was, after Chris and I were no longer living together in the apartment because she had outed us to the office, I moved in with Kelsey and her boyfriend at the time. And it was like, like place, places looked just like this, which was really odd. But so there was a night before, see, that had been 2000, was that still 2017, 2018? It was the night before Thanksgiving that I almost killed myself. So in their bathroom. And so then I knew right then, like, that's probably rock bottom. Like, when you got it, like, I had a blade up to my, like, there's nobody else around. There's nobody else around seeing you got you're ready to do it. And you know, you're ready to do it. And how far you've came, like, you're so fucking committed in your head. You told yourself, like, this is going to be it. And then it's like, that was probably rock bottom, rock bottom. It was like, I, I couldn't get, I, I mean, it could have got worse than that. Shit, yeah, it could have got worse than that. But for me, I felt like that was rock bottom. I'm sure this is a very, very personal question. What, what keeps you from pulling the the trigger, the so to speak? The trigger. The how deep that I reached in, how deep I dug after that, and where what I started doing for a living. Like, so I was start I started working at Woolies, and it, I was given a situation where you have one opportunity to prove yourself. You're either going to do good, and you might get called back for more shows or you're going to suck and you're never coming back. And I had a friend that was the manager there and he got me in and he's like, you get one opportunity. And so I, I did well. So you said you had one opportunity Were your palms sweaty, knees weak and arms heavy. Oh yeah. <laughs> did you have mom's spaghetti? <laughs> no, I was, uh, I, yeah, it was nerve wracking. You're going into a venue and you're working the front rail and they're like, Hey, you, you know, people body surfing and they come over, you got to catch them. You got to break up fights. You got to do this, you got to do that. And you got one chance and you can't, say no, you can't puss out, you can't, you just got to do it. And so then it went from there to like, now I'm getting kind of addicted to this type of job. And then it was working festivals and working long 15 hour days and just, that, it just turned it on, man. I dug deep and it was like, I now all of a sudden I'm working with like, I don't know, I'm working with like these bands that you hear on the radio and all this talent and you're just like, you're like, holy shit, here I am working with like Jonathan Davis from Corn, And here I am working, here I am fucking... Uh, we had to move a fucking piano from Paul McCartney, one of Paul McCartney's old pianos that he had gifted to fucking Jimmy Van Zant years ago, like 26 years ago and shit. And Jesus. there's just all these things that I never should have even been a part of. And now here, because of just hard work and after all this shit, it's like, this is my job. This is my everyday life, my everyday job. And, and it was like, the harder you work, the more shows they gave you, the bigger shows they gave you. And now you're going from working at a venue that's got like, 
a cap of maybe 800 people. Then we're doing shows downtown where they used to do it like knife on the river down at Simon Estes, but that's been, that's been under construction. It was under construction at that time. So they had everything at Brenton skating plaza. So now we're going to an even bigger venue, bigger bands, bigger talent. And there's no, there's no bullshit. There's no room for bullshit and it's hard work. It's 15, 18 hour days. You take uppers to stay up. You take downers to get down if you need and you just go and you just grind. And that's for me, it was like, it was cool. It was open into a world always for someone that always wanted to be like a movie star and go to Hollywood and get involved with that and do, I uh, did some voiceover shit and appeared and, you know, did some shit and like that and just feeling also like myself and my buddy, Austin, my other Austin, he was the manager at Woolies. We shot the stone sour video back in 2011 for gone sovereign. And we'd shot that at the Iowa state fairgrounds. And that night I told him, I was like, if you could just take that feeling and bottle that shit and sell it, every person should feel that feeling at least one time in their life. Like how amazing it is. And I hadn't felt that until I started working, going back doing security and shit and working those type of shows and being around that talent. And they're like, you know, you've got three big bands coming up and you're part of the changeover. And they're like, we once like you might be backstage with all these bands and this and that, but like, once this band's done playing, you got to go up on stage and you got to get all this shit off the stage because you got the next band coming up with their stuff. And it's just, it gave me hope, I guess, gave me purpose and brought me out of that. And it's like, well, suicide's never the way. I mean, you know, ending your own shit's never the way. I mean, plus I knew no matter what, one of these days, my daughter would be old enough to ask questions and need me there to, for, it was like, nobody else is going to show her what I've seen. I need to show her. I need to be able to tell her like, I know she'll be an adult one of these days. And so she needs me there. So that's what like keeps me away from that type of thinking. Do you feel like you threw yourself into work in a, in a sort of way to, I think it's like the, uh, the old saying is like, if you keep yourself busy, like you can't get yourself in trouble. Um, that's very similarly in 2018 when I moved back, like the trying to get back with my ex-wife did not work. I was still living like in her apartment and life fucking sucked. So I was like, I should go back to this incredibly toxic world of professional wrestling. Um, because if I'm gone every fucking weekend, uh, I, I don't have the time to think about how bad my life is. And if I have to, if I have to go out in front of a crowd of 200 people and pretend that like everything's okay, then eventually things will just be okay. That's like the way that I like the insane way that I looked at it. Um, and it was like, I have to be so hyper-focused when I'm in the ring so I don't hurt myself or the person that I'm performing with. So like, I'll just push all of this shit to the side and it'll figure itself out. Of course it didn't. Um, do you, the things that you, you needed to to deal with as, as far as getting past, um, that relationship, the drug use, all of that. You throw yourself into work. Um, how do you how do you deal with getting past that? Other than other than just throwing yourself into work, what well, what are the things, your coping mechanisms, the way that you're pulling yourself out of that? How do you how do you get better emotionally that way? Trying to okay, trying to get to that life that I always thought. Going back to where I always want to be a movie star, mm-hmm. and my buddy Austin. Okay, he's he worked at Wells Fargo with me years ago in collections before I ever worked with you guys. I worked there like a couple of years prior to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he had got me into collections out there and 
we worked out that he worked together for almost a year. And then he got to a point where he was living in Indianola at this time. Just a quick backstory on him. I mean, he grew up super poor. I mean, he roach infested home, small town, Indianola. His mom was an alcoholic. She'd paralyzed for the rest of her life. Cause she got a car wreck. She was drunk. And this guy knew that there were bigger things out there in life, not just small town, fucking Indianola where you're just going to die and wither away in this and that. So when he worked at Wells, he always said, he goes, man, he goes, I know there's more to life than just working a job like this, being stuck in an office building like this. Like there's gotta be more. And so he quit and he moved and he was living out in Turtle Creek in West Moines out, out in West Moines and oh, yeah. with his girlfriend at the time. Right down the road. Yeah. And yeah, I remember that. And, uh, so he fucking got separated from his girlfriend, moved back to his parents' place in Indianola and figured it out. And what he did is he maybe it wasn't a one full one full time job that would get him where he needs to be. Maybe it was three part time jobs. So he started working and so he had three part time jobs and he started putting it changing his body, putting, you know, eating well, working out, everything. So he was becoming an inspiration and I'm watching him through his whole journey. I'm watching him go from where he was at and he's just calling his shots. He's straight calling it shots. He's like, I'm going to get into Woolies and I'm going to become the manager there. I'm going to become a bartender and become a manager and I'm going to keep going. He's like, I'm going to call my fucking shots. And I'm like, good. I hope you do. But he did every single step of the way he got in. He was, had the opportunity where like I did, you get one shot to prove yourself and come back for shows. And he did. And he kept going and kept going and worked his way up. So along the whole time of not Besides just working, you're surrounded by all these people that are striving for that type of level of greatness. And it's not even greatness. It's just success. Like that type of level of success. You're like, yeah, I want to be making a hundred thousand a year. I want to be making 200,000 a year. I want to be, you know, in this type of setting. And that's what I want. Like, this is ultimately the reason I got divorced from my wife was to pursue bigger things. I thought she was holding me back and I did go out to LA and this and this, and I wanted to, and that's not necessarily the answer, but like, this is close to what I'm wanting. This is like, I could see that. And then it was like, fuck everything that's happened in the past. Fuck the feelings, fuck the girlfriends that cheated on me, whatever, like beside my kid and my my mom, you know, and people I still talk to to this day, that was just, there wasn't really any way to cope. I mean, it wasn't like, there, there wasn't really any other way to cope. You weren't given enough time to cope. It was just work, work, work. And now he is, I'm, I'm about to go to Tennessee to see him soon. He's in Tennessee, uh, up down to celebrate their nine years of being opening. And I think they're, they're about to open their ninth location Jesus. through the country. So went up and helped him in Milwaukee to open the one up there a few years back. And he just, I mean, he's fucking 30 years old and he makes like, Oh, 150, 200,000 a year yeah. and never got any education, never fucking did, just called his own shots and got in with the right people and worked for the right people and started, uh, he got me in there and started doing shit, working like hinterland every year and working like fucking big country bash when it was going on. And, you know, that's all ran and owned by Sam Summers and getting to know Sam. I mean, Sam's my boss. And then working for up down sam owns up down sam owns ernie's boondock it's another bar downtown so they'd have me there they have me floating he just acquired the valor of all room last year so they're about somebody to, they're, they're about to drop big money in that they're closing it down for a year and they're going to drop like 12 million into it and when they're done that it's going to be desperately needed uh, yeah man yeah, they're they're doing it's, uh it's got so much history there i mean it, it, the crazy thing when he bought it, uh, there's a house that's on the property as well, and it had a bunch of old historic shit from back whenever 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. whenever it was like back when it wasn't actually a ballroom. Yeah, when, when legends like Lawrence Welk and other people mm-hmm. would come through there and perform, and the, the 
lady that had the house, she lived in Florida and she's like, I don't want none of the stuff that's in there. So what they're oh, going to do wow. now is when they reno it, they're going to bring all that old shit out. So when you go into the Valair a year from now, you're going to be able to see all that the old historic stuff. That's awesome. That is and, really cool. And one of the biggest things that they're doing is the noise issue that they've always had over there. Everybody's that's complained in that neighborhood because of the shows being so loud and everything. That's why it's uh, so, it's so costly. Like, right it's, next door to it. It was, it was loud. I remember when Slipknot was there a few times. Oh my God. Their ventilation needs <laughs> work too. So it's going to be good to see that all yep. fixed. Yep. And then there's talk about putting like a little speakeasy in the basement. It's just something oh, that's that just kind of, so cool. it's one of those things that's like word of mouth. It's not advertised. It's just, Hey, there's the, like, is there a, uh, ADA accessible entrance to Valair? Cause I remember every time that I come in, it's always, you, you got to go up those stairs. Yeah. Is there? Yeah, I think there is. I think that those main stairs are split, right? Yes, I believe they are split. It's been a while since I've been on the front side. Last time I was there, just recently, I was on the back side where all the employees sure, and shit go sure. in, and that that's all just ramps. But I think that the stairs are split. The last time I was there for was for a, a pro wrestling uh, revolver yeah. event, and then they just they simply outgrew that place, and they ended up going back to Horizon because it's just. I I loved Here's the thing. Is it a bigger venue? Yes. Is it a better venue? I would argue no. And that's because like I love indie wrestling. This is off topic. This is a fucking branch way off of what we we're talking about. But I love I love indie wrestling because of the like very unique venues that you get to go see wrestling in. Yeah. It's the same reason I liked going to like Veterans Memorial Auditorium for literally anything um, kinda, over over Wells Fargo Arena. Or kind of like those theater buildings where uh, it's yes. like th- those multi levels. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or like, yeah. like when you would yeah, watch yeah. like uh, old ECW or old Ring of Honor and you would see like there's a wrestling ring inside uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City and you're like, these two things don't fucking make, like it doesn't make any sense that this like down and dirty bloody fucking weird fake fighting bullshit is in the middle of like one of the most beautiful buildings in New York City um and that's how I felt about like revolver because it was always like it's the best wrestling on the in the midwest and there's always a death match and it's inside this beautiful beautiful building like this like this almost forgotten gem of like the Des Moines metro area. Um, so yes, is, is it, is horizon bigger? Is it, is it better for the promotion for them to grow? Yes. But Valair is a, is a much, much better venue just because of the character that that building has. I do like the vibe of Valair a lot more. It, it, it's more, um, home, like homey. If that, if that makes any sense, like it, it's a bit more worn in and it just, it's just a warmer feeling rather than that like horizon where it's just like that cold just oh yeah i got yeah absolutely. that's how i feel too about it it's got that homey feel always yeah. has yeah mm-hmm. yeah you were you were talking about um this guy that sort of took you under his wing uh acted as, as sort of a mentor and um just i i love the fact that you spoke to about the importance of having someone like that because um as fucking dumb as this gonna, is gonna sound but like my my fiance is is that person for me because like i don't i didn't know too many people like around our age that made a fucking hundred and twenty five thousand dollars um and like and she did and she was very like i fucking know what i want i know what i deserve i know what i have to 
I know the jobs that I have to work to get that. And like when I met her, I was working in call centers and I know that we've fucking all worked in call centers. At least the majority of us have. So not to talk shit about call centers. It's a great fucking starting job. There you go. I don't. Um, but uh, I remember when I started at Wells Fargo, I thought like twelve twelve fifty an hour was like, holy shit. Like I have all the money in the world. And then <laughs> I kept that mentality forever, uh, even after I had kids. And Amy Ooh. was like, you know that you're, you know, you're better than like thirty thirty five thousand dollars a year like you're way better than that like you you you're you're intelligent and like you're you have you're good with people and uh and i had been so fucking broken from like my divorce and some other really shitty relationships in 2018 that like when i started dating her in like the end of 2018 early 2019 i was so like i had a lot of shit that i needed to work out and it was it was her that was like even in relationships, in her professional life especially, but like even in relationships, she was like, I know what I want. Um, I want you, and you're not fucking there yet. Like, you're not even close. So, like, let's get some medication, let's get some therapy, and then let's get you on the right track to be, like, better. And then, like, I got this job at a dealership, and it's be- at this car dealership, and it was all because she was like, I think you'd be good at this, and I think you could make great money at it, and I did. And then... I, uh, after I left that place, I got a different job that we're not going to talk about. And then I'm at the place that I'm at now and like had that confidence not been instilled in me by like a, a sort of mentor character like she is. Um, I, I probably would still be working in call centers and making with the equivalent of what basically minimum wage is now. Um, and it's all because like I had that person to look up to and be like, Hey, you fucking have this. How did you get that? You worked hard. Okay, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna fucking follow you. So it was great that you had someone like like that in your life to be like that fucking person that has everything that I want. Like that's how I get it. Right. Yep. No. It's that's yeah. And that's kind of what I've lost. I, I think over the last couple of years, I've lost sight of that more of how I felt about it back then because I need that more back in my life now. Now it's just been easier to settle in and work at like a call center job, and it's like. No, it doesn't matter what age you are. Like you, you can keep going. You can call your shots, and you can actually, if you want something, you can fucking achieve it. Like mm-hmm. he used to come over to my house before he ever became manager or anything. When he was still just starting out as just a jabroni on this bottom level, you know, just starting out as a door guy, get paid ten, twelve bucks an hour, and he'd come over to my house and would tell me, you know, he's going to do this and do this and do this, and. My ex-wife would hear us talking and she'd always, when he'd leave, she'd be like, I don't know why you guys always talk about that shit. He's so full of shit. He comes over here and he gets your head all full of dreams and all this bullshit and then nothing ever happens. And, but fast forward to today. Yeah. <laughs> and it's way different. She lives in Carlisle. She doesn't make hardly shit. And he's lives in Nashville and life is fucking, pew. I mean. Nashville would be a cool place to live. I started, like I've, I've gotten into these jobs where like, like right now I'm right now I'm like an account manager, right? And like I I run I'm the only point of contact on this account. And there's times where like I make these like decisions that affect like their fucking business, this multinational international business. Um and there's times where I want to go back to where it's like, "Hey, I'm one of literally a thousand debt collectors at Wells Fargo and like in the grand scheme of things, what I do doesn't make a fucking difference at all." 
like I kind like there's times where I like I don't want that responsibility and I kind of want to go back to that and then like I snap out of it because I'm like oh that's right I don't make any fucking money doing that though um so yeah it's uh it's just it's crazy to see like where and we talked about this in like episodes two three and four where we kind of recapped like the last six years of our lives as well and it's like it's so fucking crazy to see like where we're all we're all at um like so much has has changed like we uh i mean david didn't because david's a fucking square but like you and i would uh you and i would enjoy the the marijuanas get violently high and then just talk (laughs) about fucking nothing for hours oh we Um, know because you'd come you'd stumble uh, so one of the things i wanted to bring up was was uh that that night we came to watch new japan over at your place yeah and um you were out you you and aaron specifically were out in your car for the longest time a bunner bunner was there and uh i think i think it was kaylee that that asked you like where you were and what you were doing we yeah, yeah initially yeah, went to went the to next go, town because yeah. i lived in the town if, if no one knows where ralston iowa is and why the fuck would you there's is a population of 40 people, but the majority of that 40 live out in the country. So there's me, I mean, there's maybe like 18 people that actually live in town. It's very, very small. Um, so yeah, we went to the next town over cause there's no gas station. There's no post office. There's nothing in that town. And it was already late at night. Too. It's already late at night. So we went to Casey's and the whole thing was just to get like alcohol or energy drinks or a combination of both to fucking keep us going. Cause or like it's new Japan pro wrestling. So it's, I think Japan is Fourteen hours ahead of Iowa time, Chicago time, Midwest time. Um, so this show starts at like two in the fucking morning, um, and then it's a big like five hour event. So yeah, but yeah, so we, we initially we went and got a uh, got alcohol. Well, yeah, that was the plan. That was the plan, and, and then, then plans you go guys awry. got back and then sat out in the car for probably about half an hour, an hour or so, or something like that, and catching up, you know. Yeah, and, <laughs> and finally, when when you guys came stumbling back in, Kaylee goes, "What are you guys doing out there?" And Austin wouldn't answer. And then finally, it got to the point where he's like, "Cause I'm fucking high." Yeah, and uh, I think she was just more mad that she, like she wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I re- yeah. That was a good night. Though. It was a good night. I and made this like uh We woke up to awesome making breakfast. Yeah. Like, I made like a breakfast tater tot casserole with eggs. Oh, kind of thing. Dude. It was good. That's good. So what are you what are you doing now? Twenty twenty two. What are you doing now? I'm looking for my I'm looking for something. Uh, for I just turned forty and Jesus. You, you were the same age. I just <laughs> I just turned forty and I'm looking for that next step. I don't want to go back necessarily into a call center, but I mean, even jobs I'm applying for now are call center. And it's like, but I'm going to Tennessee soon to see my guy and hope that maybe that's going to kickstart something. something yeah. yeah. I mean, I l- was so used to living that, like the security and shit, living, just feeling that, like, I don't know, it kind of keeps you alive, makes you feel it's not like a dead end job. And right now, my goal is just to be able to see my kid more and. I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything that, that I'm looking for, like in the near near future, besides stupid ass holidays coming up. But what are uh, at this point in your life? What are long term goals? You turn forty. What are 
What are the goals? To be set by the time, by the time I'm 60 to be set completely, like whether, I mean, I don't know if like owning a home is necessarily, it's not like this shit I got to check off or anything, but yeah, I I mean, I'd like to have, I guess a a home of my own where I could just, you know, my mom's getting older. She's eventually going to need to either come stay with me or I'm going to need to go to Omaha where she's at. And that's just like, you look at that shit as you get older and it's like, that's going to make me make changes to where I never thought I was going to have to make changes to. So then I look at things like, yeah, I'm with the girl I've been with for five years. And it's like, is it, how serious is it? You know, like, are we going to go our own way? Because I need to move to Omaha to go take care of my mom. Am I going to go to Tennessee? And I know the minute I go down there, I'm going to start working. Like, am I going to want to move down there full time? And she doesn't because her family's back here. And these are all the thoughts that are just kind of rolling through my head now. And I just, I just need to pick a direction and go. And I think that's been my biggest, my biggest conundrum has been just not knowing that next we we just had uh zach mcintosh on um and and we talked about these exact same things is he got a work visa um that he actually applied for before the pandemic pandemic happens he's not he's not able to leave the country or at least not able to get into new zealand where things were very very strict during the pandemic they reach out to him and they're like hey reapply for a work visa he's down there now and is able to stay there for the next year and then we we ask him what the fuck what, like what's your next adventure after that right no idea so he's thinking about all these things because he he has this girl that he wants to have this relationship with here in Des Moines. And he's like, I don't know if I settle down, I come back and I settle down with her. I don't know if I stay, try to stay in New Zealand. I don't know if I go back to Alaska where I work this summer job. I don't know if I go back to California where I'm from. I don't know if I go to fucking Reno, Nevada, where my mom's from. Like he has no idea. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of, kind of interesting to to have you on immediately after him and see that you guys are kind of going through the same. And dude, dude it's weird because I, I seriously, like my girlfriend says she would go with me anywhere I went and, and that's fine. But I also don't want to take her away from her family, but also yeah. going back to when I got divorced, like, every, am I glad I did it? Yes. Am I glad everything that came afterwards that, that I did what I did? Absolutely. Like all the exposure just to life that I got to, following people that inspired me to, and just doing shit. Like I said, that I should have had no business even doing being in a world, like working with music and shit that like, I didn't belong there with certain bands and shit. So like just feeling alive, but like really alive. That's what I want. I guess that aliveness. So like, I think of it this way, like I was working at Wells Fargo, but like, fuck that. I can go to Wells Fargo when I'm 45. Mm Mm-hmm. If I want that job again, I, I've worked there, I think, eight times now. I've worked there so many times ever since I first ever applied there. I can fucking go back there anytime I want. So it's like, fuck this. I've just turned 40. I need to live. I need to live again. I need to live more. I need to live. I, I see crazy shit like Darby Allen does, cliff jumping and doing shit like that. And I was like, I'm down for that. But obviously got to lo- lose some pound, <laughs> pounds and shit to do something <laughs> like that. But um, it's just uh, life's been super easy especially last couple of years. Cause it's almost like there's, I don't need for anything or want for anything because I've got such a good person that just make sure that shit's there. The only thing I would want or need was just my kid more, you know, like right. have you, her live with me or whatever. Do you think in some weird way, like this is some type of um, like karmic kind of like, Hey, you went through all this bad shit. Now you're starting to get some good shit and it's starting to be, easier for you i think so i think i think it is but also like 
we all do. I can be my biggest enemy, like self-inflicted. Like I can still have too many nights to where I can get maybe down in my feelings about missing my kid. And then all of a sudden I, you know, I might pop a, a pill that makes me fucking just like a zombie, but then I back it up with a six pack of beer and then it's like, well, shit, you can't be doing that. That's no way to go. And then next thing you know, it's just, kind of going down that rabbit hole, not the same rabbit hole went down, you know, years before trying to like do anything or anything, but it's also like, it's not getting me nowhere. So it's like reaching out more, doing shit more that I was maybe doing in the past or just that I haven't done is getting me out of the, I'm hoping get me back in the right direction. I think, uh, I, I think I've talked about this a thousand times now. I am not the most religious person. Um, and, and if I had to pick a religion, I think I'm probably closest to, uh, to Buddhist. Um, so instead of, instead of using the term God, I'll just use like the the term, the universe, but just talking about like, uh, just karma, you know, it just, it just seems like, um, God or the universe or whatever the fuck it is, is like, Hey, I threw him all this bad shit and it didn't kill him. And he's, he's, he's fucking, he's, he's still moving and grooving. Like let's throw him some good every once in a while. Um, and, uh, I, I have been, I've been very suicidal, uh, very many, many times over the last 33 years and, uh, fuck as bad as, as bad as some of those bad things get those, uh, those very few good things you get thrown for whatever reason, they fucking keep you going. Cause it's like, fuck, like it, it can be this good. And like, maybe it's not good all the time, but fuck when it is good, it feels great. And that's, I think that's what I've been trying to look at more is what shit, what makes me feel good in every aspect. Like what, what do I need to be doing? That's going to bring, you know, I mean, going and seeing my daughter's uh, concert and shit that made me feel good. So it's like, how do I keep that going? Well, now, now her mom's being a bitch and not let me talk to her because she didn't get her fucking child support payment or whatever. Well, that's on me because I need to make sure that I'm working so she gets her support so I can see my, so see my kid all the time. So it's self-inflicted shit like that, that I got to quit doing to myself. And, but also I'm having that internal fight and struggle with a side of me. That's like, okay, you're 40, you're closer to dying now, you old fuck. It's time to do something and you need to live even more. You need mm-hmm. to really live. I want I want that adrenaline that. And I think that there's a, there's a fine line between, you know, the things that make you feel good. Cause it's, and I'm not trying to make light of this at all, but like, I know a handful of people like, Meth has to be fucking amazing because I know so many people who ruin their lives for that drug. So like, I've never done it. It has to be fucking incredible. It's the, it's the weak people. It's the weak people that it will never even, if it's not meth, if it's not going to be meth in their life, like I think Joe Rogan said, it's going to be something else. Like (sighs) Jesus Christ. Someone's got some strong feelings about drugs. Some, but like, I, I see that with so many people that got hooked on meth and just the weakness, like, that they couldn't pull themselves out of it, even if they wanted to. And a lot of them will say that they, they do want to, but they, they don't know how, but they also don't try. Like she never tried. She was more quick to be texting over here, her friend that, Hey, meet me down at the store so I can get a rock from you. And it's like, well, you don't want to try. You don't want to fucking get off the habit. Like, like I, <laughs> I don't know. Meth's not good, but it makes you feel superhuman. It's just like, if you've ever taken an Adderall, if it, like the effects of an Adderall, mm-hmm. if you have taken an Adderall times, you know, a hundred and then it's just super cheap and you can, you know, fucking stay on it all the time. Yeah. Be up, be up for days and stuff. And there's nothing good about it, but I think it's just the weak people it grabs a hold of. And that's when they get, I mean, my brother's been on a fucking heroin junkie for the last 10 years and 
he can go a day maybe without being like, okay, I'm go get some sleep or whatever. But then he disappears and you don't see him for fucking two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I went to, this is, this is definitely not as, as serious as heroin, but like earlier this year I went and, and I, and you know me from 2016 when I smoked like every time we recorded and, and like smoked every time I could get my hands on, on marijuana. Um, you ever suck some dick for some marijuana? I that I have not. And that's what I'm saying. It's not as you serious as heroin. <laughs> anyway, play your cards right. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that like, it's, it's illegal here, right? Yes. And so I just smoke as much as I can when I'm around people that have weed. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, I went to Colorado and it's legal and I could smoke as much as I want. So I was there for a few days and I was like, I'm going to get a full gram pen yeah. and I'm just going to smoke as much as I fucking can. And then I left Colorado and I realized... When left to my own devices to be able to smoke as much as I can, yes, I don't like this nearly as much as I thought I did. So, um, yeah, I just uh, I was like, you know what, I just uh, you just didn't feel the need. I didn't feel the need. You're right. The 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 lore's not there. The I mean, it's the you're like shit. I can do this all day, every day here legally. There's it takes the appeal out of it. I it's, mean, it's not there. It's like, it's like it's the like, same rule of the internet. Like someone on the internet tells you not to do something. Right. That means. Way more people are going to do it. I I call it the In-N-Out effect. If there was a fucking In-N-Out uh, cheeseburgers here in Iowa and I could eat it every day, yeah. I would fucking hate it. It wouldn't be special. But it's because I can only get it, you know? It's just fucking amazing. Fuck Whataburger. It's so amazing. And first time I had Whataburgers when we were in San Antonio. We, you guys remember we hit a Whataburger down there and then I had in and out for the first time out in Pasadena a couple years ago. But uh, Which do you prefer? Oh, in and out Yeah, right. Definitely. I yeah. liked Whataburger. Whataburger is cheaper. And I think it was because greasier, I, was, but... I, was, uh, I was so hungry after NXT. Yeah. But yeah. Whataburger just tastes like Sonic to me. Yeah. 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 There was nothing crazy The thing that it. made it... Like took it over the top was that fucking spicy ketchup. Oh, that oh. <laughs> spicy ketchup was something when else. We were, Have you had Del Taco? No, no. That's like all West Coast, but they got one in Colorado. The and, only thing I know about amazing. Del Taco is the fucking like the old vine, the free shabakadu. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't even know that was like a chain restaurant. I think it was, I thought it was just like one. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I I never heard of them until my my girlfriend. She grew up in L.A. and she told me all about them. And then when we're in Colorado, I think it was two years ago. They had one close to where we were staying. You are from Omaha? Born and raised in Des Moines. But your family lives in Omaha. Or your mom lives in Omaha now? Yeah, well, most of my family's in Omaha. So you spent some a decent amount of time in Nebraska? Oh, How yeah. do you feel about Runza? I used to be amazing. Like when I when I was a kid, when I was like ten, Runza was amazing. And now it's just I don't know what the hell they did to it. What's like Runza? The, okay, so a, a Runza is like it's German, right? I think so. Yeah, so like it's Bavarian. Like a, it's German or, yeah, from that part of the world. It is like a, uh, it's like a pocket, bread pocket, basically like a hot pocket, kind of, but it's stuffed with uh, like ground beef and spices and cabbage. And it, and, and I get the one with cheese, which is like. Yeah, which they never used to, I don't think they used to have them back in the day, like when they first were huge in Omaha, like when they first came out, but it is, the ones with cheese, but. And I'm not like I'm not like the biggest cabbage person either. But oh, I am. For whatever reason, like it's just like all those things together, and the way that like the bread is just like really soft, and like it's it's always fresh. And then they have um, they have a side called frings, which is a combination of crinkle cut French fries and onion rings. 
and they are just and the best thing about Runza is they they make uh, homemade ranch and their ranch is I mean just over the top it's the phenomenal last time I ate at one over there was in it wasn't even in Omaha it was in a town just north of there it was a valley or not valley it was uh fuck I can't remember. It was just Blair, Blair, Nebraska. Blair. Yep. They yeah. had they, they had one there, and it Where, was. Uh, trying to think of what, what I know from Blair, and it was Woodhouse? shitty. Yeah, Woodhouse. Woodhouse yep. Or Woodhouse, whatever. Uh, Automotive. Yeah. 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 They had a runs of there, and it was shitty. Yeah. <laughs> but they're still all over the place. I mean, they're still big ass chain in Nebraska, and yeah, the original ones. I love them. I love them. What's uh, I know we talked about it a little bit, and I know that you you, you don't quite know, but uh, what is uh, what's next for you? Well, uh, I know that I want to travel. I want to yeah. travel. I want to get out more. I want to just experience some shit I haven't. I mean, what's uh, what are the things that are on your bucket list? You're like, I've never done this, and I want to. I want to make sure that I do this before I. I want to go to another country. I want to go to another country, no. and my. Ex roommate, he lives in Mexico, and he wants me to come down and visit. Have him, you never so. left the U.S.? No, neither have I. No, have you? neither have I. You've been no. to Canada. I've never I've left the Canada. U.S. Yeah, Vancouver, B.C. Virgin Records, dope. Virgin Records, yeah. in like in Vancouver. Yeah, they have a they, uh, when. Okay, so for clarification, this is when I was little, and I lived in Washington. But uh, the one time that we uh, went out to Vancouver. We stopped at uh, uh, the Virgin Records, uh, like store or whatever. It was like a th- like it looked like a giant shopping mall. It was like a three story, o- like giant open window. That sounds dope. And and yeah, at, like escalators leading up, and like the balcony overlooked like the huge main ass ground floor lobby. Oh my god. Like I would love to go back to that place. Like I'm sure it's not as cool or I don't even know even know if, if it's there, but like I don't know. It's it's just a cool novelty of something that I've never seen before. My next thing is I was I'd I'd love to go to the Rumble in in January. So I had tickets to last year in St. Louis. So here's the thing. Here's what happened. We had a group chat. Yeah. And it was myself I think it was myself, Zach, and Dustin, maybe, or John. And we all talked about maybe going back to the Rumble this year because it's back in at the Alamo Dome. So it's back in San Antonio. And we basically just we relive that same vacation six years later. Um, and you didn't include me, motherfucker? Here's the thing. It was very short-lived because I started this job that I'm at now. And I do travel like every few months with that job because uh, we have like trade shows and stuff like that. And I will actually be for work. I'll be in Las Vegas that weekend. So like it kind of shut down everything. Um, also, I just want to say, going back to that, I I had made this this decision that any any small pay per view, Money in the Bank, fucking Extreme Rules doesn't matter. I'll go to those if I have the opportunity. But I will not go to one of the big four without my group, without the guys that I went to Texas with. So if a if an opportunity for WrestleMania comes up. Yes. Survivor Series, um, another Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. I will not go to them without that same group of guys, if it's possible to to make it with those guys. 2018, right? So I see you guys in January for Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. Three months later, or like three weeks later, I split with my my uh, my wife. 
she's in Des Moines. I can't pay the mortgage on my own. So I moved this fucking girl that I uh, was working with because I fuck girls at work. Um, hi, Nelly. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, she decides that she's going to take, she has four kids. So you can imagine the fucking taxes that she gets. We are very, very stupid. And we decide that we're going to take all of her tax return and we're going to go on like a two week vacation down to New Orleans first. Uh, so didn't you go to a show down there? A new, uh, new Japan show? Yes. I'm getting to that. So we went to New Orleans and then we drove over to Galveston, Texas and just like sat on the beach for a week. We go to New Orleans first and I decide that I'm going to go to a New Japan slash Ring of Honor show. It was the one where Cody Rhodes wrestled Kenny Omega for the first time crowd was electric it was bananas i chose that show because when are you when when else are you going to be able to see these wrestlers from japan right so i saw like koto bushi i saw hiroshi tanahashi i saw all of these fucking like uh stone pitbull tomohiro ishii yeah so i saw all these wrestlers that i'll probably never get to see again right that same night on the other side of town nxt does a show and that's the show where there was two five-star matches on the same event it was that the to crown the first ever North American champion, and then I think it was like fucking Alistair Black or no no it was a uh, fuck it was another one sorry but there was another one um it, the main event for the title was another five star match which Meltzer doesn't give five star matches to fucking WWE shows ever right so I was a little bummed because I it was a much much better show across town so we were still in New Orleans and I was like the day of even if it's nosebleed. WrestleMania tickets will be cheap. Yeah. Because it's the day of, they're trying to pack the place. They're trying to say like, you know, because they always try to break the indoor attendance record. Yep. Um, and it's, in, it's inside. Like when you get to go to a WrestleMania that's inside, you don't have to fuck with the, the elements. It's inside the Superdome. Yep. And I decide, no, I'm going to stay loyal to my boys. Loyal to the boys. The very next year, and I can't remember where 2019's uh, WrestleMania was. I feel like it was maybe back in Florida because it's always in Florida. Tampa Bay, yeah. Tampa, mm, yeah. Was Tampa the... Bay was supposed to be twenty, right? And then they bumped it. And they bumped it, but it was in Florida. I think maybe Orlando or something like that. Day before WrestleMania, I get a Facebook message from John Dravetsky, and that's when I realized that you can't trust people from Wisconsin. <laughs> because I was so goddamn loyal to this I was so goddamn loyal to this group of friends and he sends me a fucking selfie outside the stadium and he's like look where I am <laughs> and I was like you motherfucker because I was so pissed because I watched Wrestlemania from a hotel room 10 minutes away from the Superdome and I didn't go because I was like I don't have I don't have Aaron or Dustin or Zach or Trevor with me, so I'm not fucking going. And then the very next year, John's like, Haha, I'm going without you fuckers. I was so pissed. Last question I'm going to ask you. After everything you've been through the last like five years, what is the, what's the perfect scenario look like for you? You know, you, you, you hit rock bottom, you build yourself back up. I know we've kind of asked the same question in, in multiple ways now, but what does the perfect scenario look like for you? Does it include the girl that you're, you're with now? Um, what's the location? Um, what's the job? What is the, the, the perfect scenario after you built yourself back up? What does that look like? I think the location would either, the location would be somewhere 
southeast so like tennessee georgia area probably like tennessee just because i know you know the people i got down there i mean i I could go there works easy and everything perfect scenario she would be with me you know get married and everything and have have a home i mean but not not be tied down if i had to go i had to go so if she decided you know wanted to move move somewhere else you know and sell that house and move to texas or something i mean i'm always going to be down with that but just having a purpose and not being stagnant like how it's been lately. Cause it feels like there's just been no, not a lot of life pur- purpose, like outside of my kid. I mean, she's going to be more in my life because she'll be, I, I, as long as she's in my life, that that's the main thing. I mean, I hope I'm somewhere and it, it could be Iowa too. I don't know. I mean, even around my family in Omaha, it could be Nebraska for all, for all it matters, but I would like to be somewhere maybe a little warmer than here and, and <laughs> fucking has, I mean, they just had SummerSlam in fucking Nashville in August. It was, and it was like, I could have, I could have been down there. Like, man. I mean, staying with Austin and shit and just, you asked for warm. It was 80 fucking degrees today. It was, okay. it was, it's true. But just, just being, never having to go through the shit again, man, never having to go through a divorce or any of the bullshit again, or have to worry about your date in a meth head and she's doing it behind your back and you don't know, or like, they're cheating on you behind your back. You know, that's like, everything's good now. Like I got everything, not everything I guess that I want, but I mean, shit, you can always, always want for more, want for more. I mean, I'm not, I just want to be making money, good money, six figures doing whatever. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that that was a very simple, uh, want that you have. Like, I mean, it, it's very simple. It's it's you're you're not looking for anything grand. You just want a positive life. That's good. But it's, oh, go ahead. Sorry, but I also appreciate the fact that the bar is already set so low with dating a meth head that <laughs> it's only up from here. It's true though. Yeah, that's what it is. It really is, and that's why right now it's like God. You know, life's so fucking good. Like. Like I just, uh, my girlfriend's mom and them, they got a place up at Okaboji and mm. I had been up to Okaboji since I was a kid on a, fu- on a field trip. I mean, I, I mean, we don't go to Okaboji and chess where people with fucking money, bougie people go and stuff. Our so. friend's uh, family owns a cabin up there. Yeah. It's it, it, like, we went up there and they've got a spot. They've got a, a trailer and all this shit. That's real nice. And they rented us a cabin and they were just like, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Walked in this cabin. It was all completely furnished. Like. They took care of everything. And I was like, this is great. I don't like shit. I could die right now. Not that I want to and be happy with some shit. <laughs> I think uh, this will be our 31st episode uh, of, the, of the new reincarnation of this podcast. Um, and it's, it's funny that it. Okay. So going back to Zach Macintosh yeah. travels the world, right? Um, or, or you who I consider like a fucking big dude, a uh, strong-willed dude, or me, who I consider bitch bones. Um, it, everyone we talk to, like, it doesn't matter who it is, what background they come from, what their goals are, where they're at geographically. Like, it seems like it all breaks down to, like, everyone wants safety and security. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter if that's, like, traveling the fucking world. Like, we all we all want to feel safe in our relationships, and we all want to feel secure in our, our our relationships. Um, and it's crazy that like fucking you would have asked me that six years ago. And like, that would not have been my fucking answer. My answer, 
I was just ready. To, I when we started the podcast, I was just getting ready to have my first child, and then I had my first child, and then we continued the podcast for a few more episodes after that. But I was still in my like, I just want to fuck everything that moves phase. Um, and we call that the Jason Muse phase. <laughs> <laughs> Let us fuck. And uh, yeah, that was one good part of working at Woolies. Some of Kevin Smith when they did their mm. their podcast. The uh, was it the oh, was it him Ralph and Jason Garman. Muse? No, him and uh, Ralph Garman. Yeah, the uh, Hollywood Babylon. Babylon. Yeah, yep. Working down there, being able to go down like when it's sold out and just walk up in there because he worked there, and you're like, oh yeah, there's. Yeah. Okay. I was like, this is fucking great. I got to see uh, Jason Mewes at Comic-Con. Oh, did you? The first of Comic-Con, he was there, and I got to sit on that. That was nice. He seems like just the nicest dude in the world. But yeah, it seems, yeah. Kevin Smith does too. Yeah. One of the coolest things I got to do uh, just happened not too long ago where um, uh, Platform had a really huge artist show up, and I didn't know until like a week beforehand, like that that's who it was uh come to find out it was glitch mob um they're they're big into like uh the house and and techno type music like that you've heard their music i know you have what's music you don't fucking know me (laughs) but um yeah i mean i mean that would i get what you're saying with like Hey, I work here so I can just walk in and be like, this is dope. Oh, it's like when I was working at Papa John's and we had the, uh, the the shop at Wells Fargo Arena and I got to listen to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I got to watch uh, Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Huck Jam. What? That was the very first event mm-hmm. at Wells Fargo, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. I watched Tony Hawk fucking biff it. <laughs> fucking they had this they had this giant fucking ramp set up where you actually had to climb a ladder to get to the top of it. And it was this huge ramp and then you'd go down and hit another ramp and go flying. And Tony Hawk goes down on a skateboard and he hits that ramp and the skateboard goes. <laughs> oh, no. And he had knee pads on, so he just took it and just fucking landed on his knees and slid. I was really far away for that. Sorry. You really were. But I, I, had, try- to use, I, I had, was, had to use my hands. I was trying my best there. Um, last words of wisdom. Always, okay, you, you can always go after your dreams. Anything that you dream, seriously, no matter how big. I mean, don't listen. Don't let people tell you you can't. I mean, it's. If you want to be a podcaster, if you want to be a, you want to be a fucking actor, it's out there. I mean, you just gotta. If you don't know the steps, find people that know the steps and they're there to help you. I mean, take a part of. Don't just look up to one person. Take a part from multiple people. There's multiple men I've looked up to over my life that I've taken pieces from to try to make myself a better, you know, a better person. But yeah, just have fun. Do the things you don't think you can. Uh, don't get divorced unless she's, <laughs> unless, she's, unless she's a meth head. Stay away from meth heads completely. 